gambling is a thing in China where you buy uncut jadeite stones from vendors to cut open to see if there is high quality jadeite. Of course, this also leads me to today's spooky lesson. Always be wary of things you cut into from the earth. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we write about things. My name is Haunted Henry. And my name's Greedy John. And together we're Haunted Henry and Greedy John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist in order to make the world cut in twain to see if the world contains any high-quality jadeite. Uh, now, Haunted Henry, uh, have you ever, like, had a geode cut open before? No, I have not. Apparently there's, um... I say apparently. There's places you can go to and they just have these like big piles of geodes and you can have them uh, cut in half and uh, you get a bespoke geode. Every time I've done it, just black on the inside. Just black? You've never gotten like the purple rings or whatever? No purple rings, no... uh, no crystal crystal caverns crystal caves whatever they're called you know where yeah you know how geodes have the crystals on the inside just black just black black as night uh yeah i'd say it's about black as night they say every black as night geode you cut open is just the eye of an earth demon plucked from the very earth that it lets see us now, I don't know if you know much about Earth Demons, and I'm a little bit of an expert. Oh, go on. Oh, no, I was just taking the time to tell you I'm a, bil- a little bit of an Earth Demon. I mean, have you ever, like, been in a cave? Like, really been <laughs> present in a cave? I have been on cave tours. I have never and never shall I go caving. Oh, you, you're really missing out if you're not. I am not missing. I am not missing out. You, I'm not. I know. I know what it, I know, but I, I am not. Probably my favorite place I've ever been to in a cave was a giant antechamber where the silty ground sloped down at a 45 degree angle. And at the end of that 45 degree angle was a cavern that went down, I think, 120 feet. Uh, and you die. <laughs> oh yeah. It um, was also so far down that if you turned off your headlamp, you'd experience both true dark and true quiet. You could hear your blood rushing through your ears like a river. So I have been on a cave tour that went deep enough to experience true darkness. Uh, maybe not so much true silence because there were other people and people would shift around nervously. And you'd hear as, their blood. And you would hear their blood. So it wasn't really true. Plus, honestly, I've got the tinnitus, tinnitus, tinnitus. So I, I I can never experience true silence anyway. Have you ever thought that maybe your tinnitus is actually, um, your blood is just running very fast? But yeah, at such high speeds, all I hear is a whine as it rushes past my eardrums. Yeah, you get that sonic blood. Yeah, the hedgehog. Probably my second favorite cave location I was ever in. Um, I mean, this one was on a tour, so I don't know if it really counts, but it was a smaller antechamber. And uh, in the antechamber, there was just a car that was on fire. In the cave? Yeah. In the cave, there was a car on fire. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty it, sure that, how like... Did it, how did it get there? I don't know. I feel like there was maybe, like, a car accident or something, and then the car ended up in the cave. Yikes. Um, now, how yeah. did you... You just came across this randomly? Uh, no, I was just there. You were just there in the car? No, in the cave. God, no. I don't want to be the people who were in the car. Ugh. Right, because they would be on fire. Yeah, no, they were. It was bad. You didn't... You didn't... You didn't, you didn't save them. You didn't save them? 
You didn't save them? The car was already on fire and it was in a cave. I think they were pretty far past saving. Okay. That's horrifying. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. But then, you know, once the fire went out, you really got the really got the total darkness thing. Right. Once the fire had gone out after hours and mm-hmm. hours mm-hmm. and hours mm-hmm. of burning of yeah. the smell of human hair and flesh, some mm-hmm. of the top smells anyone has ever re- recorded and reported before. Mm-hmm. Then you got the uh, the silence. Yeah, and you know all the embers had to burn out. Really, everything had to burn out. It took about thirty eight hours. Yeah, so you were in this cave mm-hmm. for thirty eight hours. Mm-hmm waiting for this fire to tire itself out so you could experience true darkness and silence. You know, I'm glad you say waiting because it was excruciating. Yeah. I mean, uh, you were, you were kind of on honestly, like those people in that car were kind of being rude to you, right? Yeah. They could have burned a lot faster. They could have just gotten it over with. Like, like you said, it was probably too late for them. Anyway, they were in a cave. Like, how Mm -hmm. are you going to, I ain't going to get out of a cave when you've been in a car accident and your car's on fire. Uh, was there another car? Was there in the cave? Yeah, yeah. That'd be weird. No. Yeah, okay. Not a two-car cave. Got it. No, it was, it was pretty small. I was really close to the car. The car was small? Or the cave? The cave was really small. You were really yeah, it was like there. a small antechamber. So you were breathing in just fumes. Yeah, I think so. Wow. What would be the scariest thing to see? Like you, you go, you squeeze through one of them little like uh, tunnels where you have to like be on your belly and like inch your way through, and you know it's going to open up to a huge antechamber. But as like you pull yourself out of the tunnel and shine your light around, what would be the scariest thing to see in a cave? What would be the scariest thing to see in a cave, like in the antechamber? Right, like, yeah. Like, I've crawled through, now I'm in the antechamber. Right, right. So you crawled through, you, you're dusting yourself up as you're as you're picking yourself up, basically. And, uh-huh. you know, now you're, you've got, like, a headlamp. And now, like, you you look down to dust yourself up, and you're, you're bringing your head up with your headlamp. And then, boom, you see something in the middle distance. What is it that could be the scariest? Um, I guess it would probably, for me, have to be, like like a wall of a cave, but then, you know, if I looked at the wall long enough, I'd realize it was moving and I was actually looking at something that was uh, so incalculably large (laughs) that it didn't make any sense. Right. So you, you dust yourself up, you look up and you're just looking at Kraid from Super Metroid. Yeah. But not even that. Like if a mountain was alive, like something that's so big, you can't even imagine it. Right. But you you know, you're looking at a living thing. That yeah okay, because you're so far down and deep in the earth, and there's enough room for something incomprehensibly large that you can only see like the midsection of it, and you don't yeah. even get the full picture. Yeah, okay. Or That'd like be- you see one scale, and it's yeah. like five hundred feet tall, and then you become concerned. Oh, is the thing I'm looking at is that the Earth? Right. Are we living? On the shell of an egg for this this bastard. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that'd be pretty horrifying. I do like the incomprehensible size angle. Because that's I not... have long been afraid of really, really, really big things. No, it's not something we run into on your everyday, like sort of life. Like other than I guess a skyscraper, but man made that. And that's not scary, right? Yeah, you can't be afraid of anything man makes. Well, it's besides like bombs, maybe. Yeah, bombs are pretty bad. But yeah, no, a naturally occurring huge thing, like say, I don't know, a Godzilla. Yeah. It completely, there, there's this line that uh, those those American-made Godzilla movies like to throw around. It's like, monsters are now part of our reality. Like, it, it, it just recontextualizes everything. It's like, no longer are we the apex on this planet uh-huh. because there is something huge that can hunt us it's just it's completely over for us as like the 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 head of the planet yeah i mean that's the crazy thing about the universe in general is like 
if if we accept that like one Planck unit of space can only exist in so many different states, and we can hypothesize about how big the universe is, then there must be a perfect clone of you out there somewhere, just probabilistically, because states of matter, like units of space can only exist in so many states. So that configuration has to happen out there somewhere, probably multiple times. So if that's statistically likely, there's also, it's also statistically likely that there are things out there that are alive, that are as big as earth. Yeah. Well, let's just break down what you said, because I feel like, there's a lot in what you said. So you're saying states of matter can only take so many forms, even if it's infinitely ranging, right? Well, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember where I read this, but like there's a there's a Planck unit, which is like a unit of space, right? And it's so, so small that it can only take on like a finite number of states. Okay. And if probabilistically with that many Planck units of space in the universe that we can hypothesize about, there has to be like a perfect replication of you because you comprise only so many Planck units and it has to exist somewhere, probably multiple times. That's interesting. But then there's also you wearing a cowboy hat, you know, like a molecular copy of me. Like if we're just talking about like the, the, the makeup what if there are just replicas of people, but like the sentience isn't there? Like there's just, I don't know, like farmyard, barnyard animal equivalent intelligence copies of people I mean, out it, in the universe, just like grazing on grass. But they look like you. But There might be a, a perfect molecular copy of you somewhere, but you're like the bug on that planet or you're right. a tree. Yeah, absolutely. There could be a perfect molecular copy of you, Henry, on a planet. But for some reason, the things on that planet consider Henry to be water and the rivers are just flowing with a bunch of you. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. And, you know, space is expanding. So there's more copies every day. That's how that works. There is more copies every day. Sometimes I think I, uh, I see mine, but then that's just another bald guy with a beard. Yeah, well, tall, bald guide with a beard, really. Yeah, that is that is important. Has your significant other like ever pointed someone out to you in a crowd and be like, oh, I thought that person was you? And you look at them and you're like, fucking really? No. You thought that was me? That that hasn't happened to me with, with, with my, my spouse. But oddly enough, at certain hair lengths, I do get that for your wife. Oh, <laughs> people walk up yeah. to me from behind and say, oh, Allison. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, it's it's because you guys have the exact same hair color and sometimes the same hair length. Right. No, I, yeah. the, it was really, I guess, I don't know, flattering. <laughs> when, uh, Hold on, Henry. What? Are you Mrs. Don't firing me? <laughs> <laughs> Every day you get oh. closer to the truth. <laughs> why do you think she's not around when we do the podcast? <laughs> is is that why every time I see her for the first time of the day, she says, a drive-by fruiting? <laughs> but no, I, I was really flattered or, or I don't know. It, it, I feel like I... I I reached peak confusion when I confused her own sister. <laughs> oh no, that's a that's a way to do it. And you know, Allison has nice hair, so it's nice hair to be compared to. Yeah, and I have nice hair, so it's nice hair for her to be compared to. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know about that, but oh, her okay. hair's nice. Okay, what? My, it's the same hair. You just said it. Yeah, I just don't listen. I don't know from hair. Ah. I just uh, I just know she's around a lot. <laughs> it's the hair that I see the most. I'm like, that's good hair. Did you ever see the movie Annihilation? Uh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, the end of that movie, the scene in the lighthouse, where like there's a, this, this alien entity that seems to be, like first it's like, oh, it's mimicking, but you realize quickly it's learning. That would be my cave thing that would scare the shit out of me. I I think Annihilation is 
I think it's a great movie. I think a lot of people are terrified by the wrong thing in that movie, which is, of course, Help Me Bear. The Help um, Me Bear is horrifying. Yeah, Help Me Bear is horrifying. Um, I am fascinated with the concept of that movie being kind of what we're talking about. The like states of existence stop being like the lines between things become blurred. Right. Like it's very interesting. But yeah, the, uh, the scene in the lighthouse is the one that always creeps me out about that movie. And because I don't, it, yeah, it's, I it's, don't even know that it's learning because I don't know that it's malicious. I don't think it's malicious. I, I think it's literally, it, it's learning. I don't think learning is inherently malicious for one, <laughs> but uh, the, it goes through the stages of mimicking and then original thought, like, like just taking in all sort of input before creating its own action. Like, it, yeah. Because everything it does that could be construed as malicious, is it just kind kind of doing what she's doing, but bad. Right. Like when it like pins her against the wall, it's trying to like move with force in a direction. Like she's moving. It just like does that and ends up in the same place as her. Um, it's like a superposition, but with yeah. two things that cannot be in the same place. You know, it, it's as though they're two of the same mirrored cells, only they're zoomed out far enough that they're complete entities. And now it, it's, I don't know. I, I always try to bring like science into it because it, it's a very scientific sort of exploration like everything that is creepy can be explained of like well that's just doubling in cells like when you see the the decrepit deer and the very fancy deer right next to each other they're the same entity doubled just with all regressive traits and all uh what's the opposite of regressive uh regular <laughs> i don't know progressive traits progressive dominant traits, all tom- yeah. dominant traits it's uh it's a good movie. I highly recommend people watch Annihilation. Uh, it's about science and depression. Uh, the books are apparently very different from the movie, but I would like to read them. Yeah, uh, when, when uh, the director of Annihilation decided he was going to adapt Annihilation, he read about half of it and then put it down and said, I don't want to read any more. I want to mm-hmm. take it to where like my own sort of vision of it, uh, which is great. So that means they're they're both can exist. They're both completely different, um, and they go in different places. But they are both equally good for different reasons. I my initial reaction to that being a method of adaptation was anger, and then I realized that might actually be one of the healthiest ways to adapt something. Yeah, because I think the least healthy way to adapt something is to just do everything note for note, because then there's no, like the, the elegance of adaptation is translation, right? So like if you don't change anything and you just try to make it 100% accurate to everything that happens in the book, I don't think that's honoring the book really. You're just telling the same story twice. Right. Like in a way, adaptation can be like a slap in the face to the original creators. Like, Hey, what you made was good. But if people are going to see this, it's got to be a movie. (laughs) Yeah, like adaptation isn't trying to get your thing in front of more people or it shouldn't be. It it shouldn't be translating like what people might consider a hostile medium into a more popular medium like film. It should be if you're going to adapt something to a movie, he says, not being a particularly creative person who's never made a movie. But if you're going to do that, you should like do something only a movie can do. You should give it the, if you're doing an adaptation, you're giving something a gift, you know? Yeah. You're translating it. You're giving a gift to the work being like, here's a thing that only this can do that's special. And I'm going to lose the things that only your medium could do, but that's why it's a conversation. Exactly. That's why they're in conversation with each other. And, And for what it's worth, I think, uh, Jeff Vandermeer, the the author of the book, like gave the director his blessing to do that before he did it. Like he's like, no, absolutely. Like I want to see your interpretation of of what you think would happen. That's pretty cool. 
Um, but the, the, it's a three book series where I think with a couple of short stories too, of the whole, um, I forget what he calls it, like the Southern incident saga, but it, it's super interesting. I highly recommend it. And, uh, the book once again is, uh, the beasts of the Southern wild. Nope. By Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> uh, Annihilation is the first one and I can't remember the next two. They Florida, right? It takes place in Florida. Yeah, Florida. Panhandle. Yeah. Gator. Gator. Help me bear. Help me bear. Twin deer. Twin deer flowers. The uh the the tree people. Tree people. And yeah. mankind's that no, it's about depression kind of. Yeah. Uh, but it's also about Help Me Bear. And Oscar Isaac. And yeah, one of the glasses of water. Yeah, one of the neat things um, is there's like a weird justification. Like, oh, we're sending an all-woman team. And this happens both in the book and the movie. And in the movie, it's like, oh, right, because we just sent in an all-men team. No, the movie's like, oh, something about like one of them's their husband, husband and wife. That's Uh why. And in the book, it's just like, we just haven't tried that yet. (laughs) We haven't tried sending in all-women, so why not? (laughs) Good tactics. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we're going to send in all children and then all albinos. Yeah, it's a it's a very fun read. I uh, this is a I was on a plane recently on a very long flight. Why am I telling the story in this order? Uh, sometimes my What's wife that? and I like to quiz each other being like, what's my or like we say like movie genre and get we guess what each other's favorite one is or baked good or whatever it's fun um and we got to movie genre and Uh i guessed hers correctly and then she said sci-fi guessing that my favorite movie genre was sci-fi and i like to imagine that i'm like you know i have eclectic taste i'm a bit of an artist (laughs) i I defy description don't put me in a fucking box and so i was like fighting back and i was like well i don't think it's just i mean i like some sci-fi movies and she's like we were on we were on a plane ride and you, you watched dune then annihilation and then dune again <laughs> like you got me there actually <laughs> you got me dead to rights you watched dune then annihilation and then dune again <laughs> well the first time i watched it i um there was so much more, you know, I re- I was really missing all the Duncan Idaho of it all. Right. He's my I think favorite I also name. watched, I think I also watched Blade Runner 2049 twice on a flight in a row once. It's a good film for sure. So yeah, my favorite, my favorite is sci-fi. I look like a lot of men on the street. You look like a lot of men on the street. Remember I said tall, bald, oh, beardy right. guys? Yeah. Well, that's just, yeah, that's just your, uh, your plank space getting it slightly wrong. Yeah. Only like one time was it actually me. I, and you hissed at each other and ran into the night. Both of yeah, you of in course. opposite directions. Yeah, we got to go in opposite directions. If we stay in the same place too long, who knows what'll happen? There's a fun thing that happens with... Like, I guess there's like an innate fear of like doubling, like this, the double, the, this, this dark twin that we, we innately describe maliciousness in there being like a copy. I mean, like the it, doppelganger. Yeah. The doppelganger. And you, you see it with like clones too. Like, oh, there's an evil clone who wants to usurp the life of the original. But is it... Where's where does that fear come from? Like, is it just the fear of like being replaced and missing out on your life because like a cop? I, where I I don't know. Speak on that. I <laughs> good prompt. I I have thought about this a little bit, and I think it might come from a natural human fear that every time we go to sleep we die <laughs> and okay. we wake up as new people. I yeah, think ship, ship of Theseus. Yeah, I, I, Shipathesius. I think that also I'm going to start a, um, I'm going to start a repair business called Ship Othesius. Shippo? Like, 
you know, uh, a truncation of the word of to make right. it folksy. Shipothesis. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to repair things by replacing <laughs> every single part. <laughs> I've replaced every single part of your car. I am eternally in the red. It is so expensive, <laughs> but I'm making a very good point. I have replaced all of my debt with more debt. Therefore, it's not the same debt. Dead of Theseus, so it can't be late. <laughs> I'm not if I late. Get, if I get new debt every month, it can't possibly ever be late. Eternally accruing more and more debt, but it's all new debt, therefore no one's come to collect yet. Yeah, never have to pay it off. Um anyway. I do I, I think that like a, a central human fear, and one of my greatest fears, if we're being honest, is the fear i think there's a central fear of the disruption of the continuum of consciousness which is like we're alive right you and i are talking as all evidence points toward us in this moment being alive yes yeah i i believe we're alive and talking but let's say star trek was real there's a there's a popular theory that the I don't I don't care about Star Trek, so I'll get the words wrong. But like the transporter on the Enterprise, when it beams people down, a popular nerd theory that proliferated through the 90s and I think was even like said in an episode of Breaking Bad is the transporter kills you and evaporates you and clones you somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're broke. The science behind it is that you're broken down molecule by molecule and then beamed. Those molecules are beamed somewhere and reassembled on the earth. But yeah, the, the, the theory states that when you're broken down, you're basically killed and then yeah. reassembled and reborn exactly right? the same way you were. And here's my question. Yeah. Why is that bad? And I'm not saying it's it's good or neutral. But the idea that in an instant you die, and in the other instant you're back. It is the, uh, well, it's this same theme is sort of explored in the work of the prestige, is it not? It is. Yeah. um, I think it only, so I think in the, in the, the Star Trek way is like the most humane way because it's instantaneous. Uh huh. There's no suffering. When the <laughs> there's per- no there's no drowning there's no drowning and gasping for air and there's no sort of question lingering in your mind am i going to be the man in the box or the man on the stage because again it's so routine that it's just like boom boom and then your consciousness or the copy of your consciousness doesn't have time to wonder if it's going to die because now it's like okay we're on the surface of this planet let's get some readings data you know what does this scan say about the atmosphere but like, let's say you were about to be transported, right? Yeah. And this technology is not like a known thing. They know what it'll do. They know that if it it has a hundred percent chance of working, right? Right. If they turn it on, you will instantly die, and then a perfect copy of you will be created with your memories, your sensations, absolutely the same person. But you will die the instant it happens. What do you have to fear about that? I mean, you're dead, so it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it is the loss of the continuum of, the continuum of right. consciousness we're afraid of. Like, we consider death to be I, whatever I means, whatever the self is, I lose the ability to continue to be me, and then somebody else is being me. So that's where the fear... Okay, I see. Yeah, that's where the fear comes from. If there's a copy, my claim to my life is in jeopardy. I think it, it, it undermines our continuum of consciousness that something just like us can exist outside of ourselves. But I think it also brings up the scary question of like, is the continuum of consciousness even real or are we dying every millisecond of every day and being reborn with someone who has the exact same memories we do? Like is, is the continuum of consciousness even a real thing? I mean, that's a great philosophical question because the only sort of hard evidence we have is just like, well, I feel like as though 
I am the person from my memories. I have no hard evidence that I am the same. I have no evidence that my memories are real besides photographs and other people corroborating them because we we can never prove the past actually happened. It is basically impossible to prove that a continuum of consciousness is even a real thing. Yeah. Like it's it's just electrical signals. There's no like magic. I mean, that's where people get lost in this whole conversation of like, what is sentient or not? Sentient is just, it feels a certain way to be you. Right. And, and if, if there's something else hanging out there that's you, it undermines it undermines your 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 basic consciousness, your basic your basic sentience, how it feels to be you. Something <laughs> else is you. Right. How could it, it feel to be you if there's another you? <laughs> well, that and like this the second there's a double, there is now hard evidence against that continuance of consciousness. Because if there can be two of you. Mm-hmm. That puts in jeopardy everything that we're assuming is true, that I am myself, and I always have been myself, and I'm the sole owner of the memories that I've had. Now I'm seeing someone who is exactly like me, and all of that is coming into question. So one of us has to die, uh-huh. <laughs> because there can't be two of us exactly the same, because that throws into jeopardy everything i've assumed is true and i'm i'm a product of a certain species we call ourselves homo sapiens and when people look like us but they're not us we kill them go ask the neanderthals it's uh it's uncanny valley we are so afraid of things like we're so finely tuned to tell when things are imitating us if something was ever perfectly like us we would go crazy because it calls into question the very essential feeling of being alive. Yeah. Which is honestly, when you break it down at the end of the day, that's all we got. It is. (laughs) You know, if, if you take it all away, the cars, the money, the houses really at the end of the day, you got one thing, the essential feeling of selfness that may be an illusion. Right, right. Everything else is sort of artificially we created. We created society. We created these measures of success. We created money. None of this is naturally occurring. All we really have when we when we if born and come into the world is the feeling of being ourselves. And if you threaten that, well, fuck you. <laughs> and I'm going to throw you against the wall of the lighthouse. And that's why face-off is effective. <laughs> That's why that's why uh, yeah, that, that's I why mean, Face Off is the greatest movie ever made. I mean, we're talking about doppelgangers, but I recently watched in its entirety for the first time what I think is maybe one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh and that is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay, yeah. The it's a classic. It, it has been it is in the zeitgeist enough that like the final scene has has been iterated and parodied so many times. I had never seen that movie in its entire it, – it was maybe on the sci-fi channel or something when I was growing up and I had never like sat down and really watched it. I'm going through a real Donald Sutherland moment, uh, which I have so many Donald Sutherland facts. I love him. Uh, is he the guy from Hunger Games? He is, okay. which is sad that that is how he is remembered. He was also <laughs> one of our greatest actors. He was great um, in Hunger Games. But I, I'm on a real desuth kick, so I decided to watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That movie is incredible. It's eerie. It's bleak. Tremendous soundtrack. Um, a young Jeff Goldblum is in it. Leonard Nimoy is in it. Oh, okay. Like the movie is great, and it, the the practical effects are insane. There's way more like violence than I. Th- I don't know. It's I, I always assumed that it would be this like relatively tame and rote exploration of this like doppelganger thing. No, it's it's so interesting and it's so good. It's got it's got some weird acting, but hey, it's from the seventies. Right, it's from the seventies. The same concept is like in what the the thing, you know? Oh, the thing is like I love the thing, but the thing is doppelganger, but like genuinely violently evil which i guess invasion of the body snatchers they're violently evil but their whole thing is like 
the the body snatchers make a point and this is why i thought of the movie okay they they make the point that like why would you fight having your body snatched because you're gonna lose but also the version of you that's reborn has all your memories and your feelings and your body so why would you be afraid of that and then of course it's the fight against the the continue of consciousness but also they seem to like not be exactly the same people so maybe that argument's not so strong but watch invasion of the body snatchers that movie fucking rules yeah so like this this that point you raised like why would you fight your body being snatched and boiling it down to like the 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 end of consciousness the continuum of consciousness you gotta the very real fact is that once your body is snatched that's no longer you from all outside appearances it might look and act exactly the same but it's a new pilot i mean if here's the thing though what's what's pilot mean like if we go back to the star trek thing right you instantly die you're instantly you're exactly the same the continuum of consciousness is the idea that there is a perpetual. i would say in that argument you are correct but in uh-huh. the argument where there is someone forcefully snatching your body. Oh, yeah. I, and also the, their argument's weak because these people like walk around. They don't have emotions. They carry pods around. Don't <laughs> totally they, not like normal right. people behavior. And they also do that that thing with their throat. <laughs> that. The pointing and the shrieking. Yeah. That, that's the famous end scene is like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh it's a great movie. Watch it. Think about the continuum of consciousness. Is anyone really piloting the ship? Think about it. <laughs> I, well, that's that's a that's a huge psychological debate. No, philosoph- philosophical debate. Yeah, <laughs> wrong it, field of study. It's also my greatest fear for what it's. Yeah. I thought about this as a child. Like I, yeah. I was haunted by the idea of the continuum of consciousness, specifically because I would watch things where people would like get cloned or like be i, I watched a lot of sci-fi as a kid guess what sci-fi is my favorite genre it's, it's your favorite genre i hate to tell you but yeah but, I mean, uh, it's like memories being put in robots or whatever yeah so like, but are you really still there you know yeah the, the video game soma explores this topic in depth it, it, and, and the books that that bad netflix show altered carbon right <laughs> was based on those books uh, are really good. It's a shame that show was not. I tried to read it once and I couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. You you gotta be put in a different sleeve. Oh, I you know. got re-sleeving sickness, man. See, that, that's the weird one because your consciousness is jumping from sleeve to sleeve. So you are you, but your body is different. Like, that's the reverse problem. It It is the reverse problem. Though, yeah, I guess... For altered carbon to happen, your brain has to be on a stack. So people would have been digitized like a living person. Actually, I think maybe at that point in the semi-transhumanist cyberpunk future of altered carbon, when people are born, they're stacked. So you never would have known a difference between being on a hard drive or being in a brain. True. That I mean, and also that (laughs) one of my favorite things about like altered carbon and sci-fi things like that. It's like <laughs> in the background, it's like, well, we answered that philosophical question of mind versus brain, but the answer is not in this. Like <laughs> we're not going to ever offer an explanation of what it was. It's just like, oh yeah, we figured that out. Scan- we, now we can back up the the brain to a stack and you can re-sleeve and stuff. We figured all that out. We just we it's not important to the plot, so we'll never get into it. <laughs> yeah, we we solved an essential. I mean, that's true of kind of all sci-fi is like, you know, it it it's totally improbable. But then they just can't talk about it because if they right. talk about it too much, they talk about it. It becomes fiction about how improbable it is that the replicator on the Enterprise can make any food you want. So it's, yeah, if yeah. if if you if you. Peer too deeply into the mechanics of how these things work. It's like, oh well, actually, it turns out there's no reason for it to work. It just does. Yeah, I would highly recommend anyone listening to this 
This is an audience, by the way, that I'm going to say is zero people. If you are listening to this, like the Altered Carbon books and like scary role-playing games, uh, play the tabletop RPG Eclipse Phase. It's one of my favorites. It's like Blade Runner plus Altered Carbon plus Lovecraft stuff. It's cool. That's a fun mix. Math became a monster that is destroying the universe. Amazing. The physical embodiment of math. Uh, Yeah. People are just being swallowed up by fractals. It's great. Oh, my God. Get a roll for sleeve sickness. You can be a gorilla. (laughs) I had had, me into a gorilla coach. I had an Eclipse Phase character, genuinely, uh, who, God, I can't remember all his details. He was just a freak who would only sleeve into animals. Mm. Uh, And he was an octopus for years. And for some reason, he he sleeved into a gorilla. (laughs) And the difference between the body types was so great, he went insane. I bet. If he was in for years in an octopus's sleeve, yeah. And you, uh, you ever listen to that song in the octopus's sleeve? I'd, I'd rather be, yeah, I'd rather be, of course. Uh, anyway, play Eclipse Phase, watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, maybe read Altered Carbon. It's been a few years, I don't know if I can like full throatedly recommend those books at this point, but I remember them being good, yeah. We, we got a lot of wrecks. This uh, this episode, you know, a blit, uh, not oblivion, <laughs> annihilation, <laughs> annihilation. Uh, we're recommending the movie and the video game Oblivion. We're, right. we're we're recommending the movie Edge of Tomorrow and Live Die Repeat. Oh, that's a fun one because it. Like, oh, I watched that travel. on a on the return flight. I think I, think I feel like your I favorite genre sci-fi. might be sci-fi. <laughs> it, might, it might be actually that was the first time I saw Live Die Repeat. That movie's great. Oh, uh, it's a good. Yeah, all you need is kill. Is, all is you need good, is kill. It's great. It's, it's a, a very really good, good movie. It was. It's weird because it was in the post me not liking Tom Cruise phase that, of my life. Like, I don't know. I was indifferent forever, and then I just didn't like him now. But I saw that movie and I was like, oh, I guess I guess Tom Cruise is okay. It's interesting because uh, Live, Die, Repeat slash Edge of Tomorrow slash All You Need is Kill is obviously uh, a manga slash anime, maybe. And the lines and mannerisms of Tom Cruise, a 45-year-old megastar, very clearly written for like a young person. <laughs> Uh, or, or, you know, just anime mannerisms, just watching Tom Cruise with anime mannerisms is weird. Yeah. Gotta get an Ansel Elgort. Wait, no, Ansel Elgort is bad. Turns out. Did he bad? I think he batted. (laughs) Um, what about that other one? Um, Timothy Chalamet? No, no, Egerton. Egerton? Oh, maybe he's the bad one. I don't want to think about it. Okay, we'll move on. I I was trying to find a good one, not a bad one. Who's a good young? A good young? Who's a good young? Tom Holland? Yeah, Tom Holland. You know, Tom Holland actually, granted, when that movie came out, he was probably like two. Yeah, he was a child. Um, But Tom Holland would have been good in that movie. So you've, yeah, I guess younger, because he was, Tom Cruise was probably like 50-something be yeah. like a war journalist or something or PR guy or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that would have been, been a minute since I watched that movie. It's Invasion movie. of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of wrecks in this episode. <laughs> car wreck. The car, car wreck, wreck the of course. Yes, you beat me to it. The car wreck in the cave was the first wreck. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I think uh, now that we're talking about it, I think that might have been the first wreck. I think that might have been what I saw in the cave. The first wreck mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Like the first car accident. It was a Model T. Okay. Wow. And it, it, how, it burned for 35 hour, 38 hours? Yeah. The tires were solid rubber. Oh. And, and they were so the they white took tires. a long time. Yeah. The white yeah. walls. The like white Macklemore walls. sings about. Oh. Okay. You weren't bumping that Macklemore album all the time until he did an offensive Jewish stereotype. Uh, I don't judge me about what I'm about to say. 
Uh huh. Because it's not based at, at out of any sort of maliciousness at all. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I thought Macklemore and Bruno Mars were the same person. You know, with hindsight, I think that statement really mean, means nothing. Like, okay. To me, to me at this point, Macklemore and Bruno Mars might be the same person. Bruno Mars is apparently like a great performer. Can't stand the gentleman's music, though. Yeah. At um, all. I like The weekend. Is he good? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if The weekend's good. He His music is good. Yeah, he did the Super Bowl. Let's see. Who else is good <laughs> that did the Super Bowl? Prince, of course. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Wait, hold on. We're talking about good people. Um, oh, I thought we were talking about good music. My bad. Yeah, Michael Jackson, great music. <laughs> no Qu- one will argue that point. Question, yeah. But we got a lot of wrecks, of course. A lot now, of wrecks. I, I did want to update people on something. Uh-oh. Oh. Spooky. <laughs> did, you, did you not want me to update them on something? Uh-oh. Spooky. <laughs> We're gonna, I wanted to update people on something that's very spooky. Spooky update. Now, of course, as we know, during the Frightened Times, we shoehorn in a piece where we talk about unions and strikes in every episode of the Frightened Times. Yeah, we have to. We have to. And Detroit's big three automakers might as well be performing a ballet recital with the way the United Auto Workers Union is keeping them on their toes. Ugh, I read that verbatim and I hate that sentence. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> my god you're reacting to your own copy for a second (laughs) journalism is should die it's dead it should die yeah uh anyway in a surprise walkout yesterday the united auto workers directed six thousand eight hundred workers at the at stellantis's stellantis (laughs) what stellantis's largest ram 1500 assembly plant to join the picket line which now includes more than forty thousand of the 150,000 uaw members at the three companies as the union continues to select specific plants to target the ram pickup trucks are stellantis's best sellers in the u.s that's right the united auto workers strike is growing i i'm all for it you know back when the riders began to strike their strike has now ended. They they won. But I was calling for an all-purpose, all-general strike. And so I see this as just more and more likely that more people are going to start striking. More uh, power of labor. Yeah. And honestly, I just want to remind people, one of the reasons we have the 40-hour work week as like a, a maximum sort of thing for undertime, not overtime. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, is because of uh, auto workers. They set the president with the president. They set the precedent with a strike back in the day. And so if they're really pushing for a four-day work week now, let that stuff cascade into all industries, please. Bring this shit to its knees. Also, uh, we need... The writer's strike is now over. SAG is still on strike. I think it's going 100 days strong. Yeah. As of today, I was reading an article about it. There's some silly things happening with the SAG strike. I I need to read more about it, but uh, I was reading this article (laughs) that introduced me to a new word that said that the studios (laughs) absquatulated from talks. Holy shit, they... They did what now? They absquatulated? Studios, this is deepthesaurus.com. Studios absquatulated from talks, which just means flee. No, no, I know what this means. This is when your body is disassembled molecule by molecule uh-huh. and you are transported somewhere else and reassembled. My absquatulated. God, I couldn't, I couldn't think of that thing in Star Trek. It's the absquatulator. Yep, yep. Uh, but but big big mean word to use for the studios. Uh, justice for SAG. I don't know what's happening. I really need. I honestly, I have more friends in the WGA than in SAG, so I really have only been following the WGA strike. Uh, but I should read more about it and more, solidarity forever, uh, labor forever. Yeah, labor forever for sure. Um, but if you're gonna protest, maybe be a little not completely like sag after 
this is a very silly story. Uh-huh. Uh, so actors are on strike. and part Actors, of that, by the way, the most hinged people. Yeah, yeah. The most hinged people, they're on strike. And uh, uh, part of that is they cannot promote any of their work mm-hmm. whatsoever. Uh, new projects, old projects, can't promote it. Yes. So SAG after released a memo actor union wide saying, uh, Hey, Halloween's coming up. Don't use this chance to dress up in costume as one of your characters because that could be promotion. So here's a list of banned costumes across the board ranging to any famous movie costumes you can think of all banned because it could be considered promotion (laughs) okay that's dumb but did they specifically say which costumes i I think it was just like any any movie costume is banned because that could be considered promotion of that movie uh to which ryan reynolds (laughs) responded i have been reading this to my seven-year-old to explain to them why they can't be bluey for Halloween and they're crying. She's not in SAG-AFTRA, but she needs to learn. <laughs> I That is uh, extremely silly and nitpicky. Yeah. I think they've since walked it back, but I just want also, to Also, what actor out there is dressing up as their character for Halloween? That's not a thing that happens. No, I think it's just like, well, you can't go as like Spider-Man or whatever, because like, that could be a Spider-Man movie. You're... You're, you're dressing, you're promoting the Spider Man. If people see Danny DeVito dressed up as Doc Ock, they're gonna go see Into the Spider Verse. Yeah. They're, they're gonna line up. They're gonna line up. It's gonna come back in theaters. <laughs> and he is female Doc Ock. Yeah, the, the, o- <laughs> the only uh, approved costume was Morbius. So look forward to just <laughs> tons of Morbii this Halloween. I, for one, cannot wait for the throngs of Morbii. Yeah, it's the only approved SAG after a costume. This... That is also my, my favorite uh, Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition campaign. That's right, the throngs of Morbii. <laughs> It's a real, it's a real banger. It's right up there with uh, the Tomb of Horrors. Oh, I really like the uh, the Tomb of Sasquatchulated. <laughs> yeah, the Tomb of Sasquatchulated for sure. <laughs> Whatever that word. Was. Uh, of course, oh. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Strike of Sagaftra. Oh yeah, the Strike of Sagaftra. That, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why Vecna became the popular one. SAG-AFTRA was much scarier. It's just Vecna's the came second, and that's so people remember. People don't really remember the first one as much. Yeah, no, they don't. They nobody remembers the first Lich. Yeah, why would you? It's yeah, old. I mean, it's tough to remember. The first Lich is very old. The first Lich is the deepest. <laughs> Baby, I know. Uh well, John, I, I feel like before this episode comes to a close in the spirit of the season, I have come across a brief, scary story from the internet. Huh. And I feel like to close out this episode, I should I should read it in the spirit of the frightened times. Absolutely. <clears throat> Here we go. Please enjoy this tale from the net listeners if you could turn off your lights or close your eyes unless you're driving then just close one of them uh and bundle up so there is a dog shelter for senior dogs called old friends senior dog sanctuary they had a couple social media pages among them a tumblr page They'd repost posts from their Facebook about the different dogs at the shelter. Very cute stuff. This goes on for months. It gets popular because people love dogs. One day, the blog, entirely out of the blue, posts, I just want to get dicked down again, and then never post again. 
everyone involved was like, hey, what the fuck? So they messaged the Facebook page and they were like, hey, is the person running your Tumblr page okay? They've been acting real weird. And the person running the Facebook page was like, huh? We don't have a Tumblr page. Boo. I'm terrified. That was another scary story from the net. This is up there with the hook on the door. Uh, It's up there with they've been dead for 20 years. Yeah. I love these scary stories to tell on the net. I love. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the, oh, the clown statue one. The clown statue one? You've never heard of the clown statue story? I've never heard the clown statue one. I do want to make a quick aside to say that I have long been a follower of old friends, senior dog sanctuary. Oh, have you? So you're familiar. <laughs> and I'm, I was not familiar with the Tumblr. Oh, no. Yeah, it's cursed. You see. And that's incredible. Uh, should, I could save the, the clown statue story for another day, or should I just tell it real quick right now? I think we got to keep them waiting because the Frightened Times rolls on. Tune in next week to hear the clown statue story. John, don't look it up. I won't look it up. All right. And uh, yeah, I I feel like this chapter of the Frightened Times is closing, but there's always a new page in this terrible, as in like horrifying, but still good quality book. The book. Wait, hold on. I'll be right back. Bye. Oh, hi, Henry. Oh, hi, John. How are you? Um, I'm doing all right. But what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just had to, just had to answer the door. Um, where are we at on the um, podcast? Wait, you stepped away from the door. You, you you had to open the door. And now you're coming back and asking. Yeah, no, no. I was just checking on something. Okay. Well, we were about to wrap up. You should know that, shouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Totally gonna wrap up. Right. So I'll, mm-hmm. you just gotta team me up for the social media reads and. Gotcha. And how do I do that usually? Well, Sorry, I got so much going on, you know, work. What do you do for work, John? Hmm? What do you do for work? Oh, you know, um, God, they make, they got me going crazy down at the office, you know? Down at the office? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my god, they're, they are running me ragged at the office. Uh... <laughs> Um, I am uncomfortable now. They're, it's insane. Yeah? It's no, insane? It's, it's crazy what they're doing down there. Just the work, it just piles up, just papers on my desk. And, um, and what anyway, sector do you work in? What sector do I work in? Yeah. Henry, I, it's so funny you'd ask that. You know. The funny thing is that I honestly don't. <laughs> huh? I honestly have no idea what uh, John does for work. Oh, like uh, the sector that I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, G. <laughs> it's tough. We had a re- we uh, we reorganized. Okay, you reorganized. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, we reorganized. So I'm in G now. Okay. Um, so normally, yeah. what you would do is just say like, "Oh, and Henry's going to tell you how to how to get in touch with us." That's that's all you need to do, and then I'm going to hide. Okay, Henry's going to tell you. Oh, the audience. Yes, yes, yes. Henry's going to tell you. I was like, is there a third person on the call? I don't think so. No. (laughs) Henry's going to tell you, the audience, how to get in touch with us. Okay. And now Henry's going to tell you how to get in touch with us. That's right. Quote, John, unquote. Uh, If you want to write into us and reach out to us on Elon Musk's Twitter.com. 
We refuse to say formally because it's still known as Twitter. All you got to do is make a new account, give him a dollar a month, and then you can tweet at us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And I believe John knows what that stands for. Huh? You know what that stands for. What do you mean? The letter ZCPCWHJ. I mean, I could guess. No, you don't have to guess because you know what they stand for. Oh, I know what I know what they stand for. Right, you do. Yeah, gotcha, loud and clear. So what do they stand for? Huh? That's right. Oh, man, I got a weird, uncomfortable feeling in me right now. <laughs> I'm just going to shake it off. If you want to send us a longer message, you can send us an email to zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we are on every sort of podcast scraping thing you can think of, uh, but we do have to put a disclaimer out there. Google Podcasts is going away at the beginning of the next year, so you can find us on YouTube Music, question mark, but we'll also be on Spotify, on Amazon Podcasts, on Podscraper, that's not a thing, on Good Pods, on Podchaser, that's what I usually say. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, if you can like talk us up, give us a rating and review, that would be great. If it's not possible, that's fine. Go to iTunes and re- review us there. It helps us out so much. But the most important thing you can do is after a harrowing, harrowing? A harrowing night of nightmares and frights, Go outside and walk up to the corner where you see somebody you think you know. Tap them on the shoulder shoulder, and tell them about the podcast. If they react weird and make like a weird hissing noise at you, just power through and tell them Zero Credits is the only show where you get into deep philosophical talks about the mind-body problem, about the continuum of consciousness sphere, things like that. We're the only podcast doing that in this day and age. And they will respond by saying, well, whatever they say, I can't actually predict what they're going to say. I'm sorry. But word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. Henry, you know, it's so funny. Um, So I just managed to unlock my phone. You just now managed to unlock your phone? You were struggling with it the whole time? Yeah, no, I, I just now managed to unlock my phone. It's so, it's so, hold on. I'm just trying to make sure. It's so funny because, hold on, find. Yeah, I've got your address. Oh. But I don't uh have like your parents' address or even like what state. They live in, Why then, would you, you know, because need... like if an emergency, you won't know that's okay. where to come you, up an emergency for who for you. Yeah. You know, like a family emergency were to come up or if anything were to happen to you or, you know, somebody needs to like get in contact with them. If anything, ha- if you could just like, you know, face ID, if you could just like text that to me face ID. <laughs> Yeah, the numbers, I can't get those to work, so I got to make it do the face thing, you know? Right, because you don't know the passcode. I know it, for sure, yeah. No, you're not. You're no, not, I'm, I you're know not, it. You're not John. Mm, no, I'm John, and I know my passcode. I don't know it, so I can't ask what it is. But I, I, I certainly know my passcode. It's the um, date of birth. I don't know your date of birth. Of my child you don't have a kid. Huh? Anyway, if you could just like text me like family details and like maps or anything, that would be really helpful. All right. Well, I'm glad we do this podcast remotely now. So you can't come after me. I'll just lock the door. And the podcast is now over. And I'd like to say goodbye. From everyone here at the John Doesn't Remember How the Episode Ends Because He's Not John Studios, we want to wish you a happy haunted week. 
Alright, see you soon, Henry. No. Stay where you are. Alright, bye. Ending the recording. Coming over. No, you don't have to. Just stay. Coming over. Okay. Bye. Unlock the door.